1: Foundation, Arvind Gupta. The reason that people are talking about India is massive digitization
0: and fashion inclusion that we have done over the last couple of years.
1: Enjoy this week's show. Welcome to Behind the Markets, here on business radio powered by the Warren School. I'm your host Jeremy Schwartz, global head of research at Wisdom Tree and ETF sponsor. My co-host, Wharton finance professor Jeremy Siegel, author of Stocks for the Long Run, is off today. Uh, please note, I'm a registered representative for Side Fund Services. The discussion is not tied to the offer of investment products, and the views of our guests are their own and not those of Wisdom Tree's affiliates. We've got one guest studio, one guest in the studio with us for the hour today, Tom Desmond, chief financial officer at a company called Ally Invest. Now, Ally Invest is an online securities broker, a wealth management company, and a subsidiary of Ally Financial. Tom is responsible for overseeing the company's finance, accounting, reporting, and strategic development activities. Um, Wisdom Tree Asset Management uh, actually does pay Ally investment compensation connection with our funds trading commission-free on their platform you know today's discussion and any related commission free arrangement should not be considered a recommendation to use ally invest or endorsement by wisdom Tree of ally invest uh, investors should determine an appropriate brokerage firm after careful considerations with all that out of the way tom welcome to the studio jeremy thank you for having me excited to be here so you came in from charlotte uh charlotte today um tell us a little bit about uh yourself before we get into your role at ally maybe
0: sort of tell our listeners, how you got to Alex like, of your, your your background. Sure, my background going all the way back. I guess I started my career uh, at a company called Morningstar when Morningstar uh, was a startup. They're a financial research firm, and I spent about ten years as an investment banker and venture capital at Robert Baird and Company. And I started a company called TradeKing, which was an online broker with a group of friends, and they had built uh, an earlier online break, uh, brokerage for Quick & Riley which is one of the uh, um, original discount, uh, online discount brokers. And so we built TradeKing for about 11 years and Ally Bank wanted to extend their product line from being just an online bank into uh, investment services. And so they, brought, they bought TradeKing in 2016 and we rebranded the company Ally Invest. And we've got two uh, primary businesses, one is an online brokerage. and the second is a digital advisor, often called a Robo advisor. And so if you look at our suite of pro- products across Ally, we've got um, leading online savings accounts where we pay uh, uh, deposits of uh, uh, pay two percent on deposits. And for our online brokerage, we're 495 per trade or three395 for active traders. And for our digital, uh, Advisor for a managed portfolio, it's 30 basis points. So we think uh, an unbeatable combination across all three.
1: Very good. I'm sure we'll drill into a lot of those uh, areas in a little bit more detail. Um, maybe you know, just on, on your personal side too, so, so building a company from scratch, um, but also having this venture capital background yeah. Maybe I'm sort of talk talk to us a little bit about your years in, in venture capital at Baird and, and what that was like.
0: Yeah, it's fun. I, I entered the venture capital industry at a at a really uh, opportune time. It was nineteen ninety nine. so it was just prior to the crash. And we had a new fund, and it actually, um, counter to what you may think at first, it actually was good timing, because we had a lot of dry powder, and valuations were so high, we ended up just staying on the sidelines when the market crashed. And so we were one of the firms that had some dry powder and made, you know, we're fortunate enough to make some really good investments. Um, And I worked uh, with the firm through a couple of funds um, from 1999 through 2005 when we started TradeKing. and It was interesting for me because uh, I went from one side of the table as an investor uh, to raising capital uh, with a team of guys that had built an online brokerage before. Uh, one was a friend of mine from college, uh, I went to the University of Notre Dame and we had gone together, and so I would known uh, Don and his team for a long time. And uh, decided to jump back into the entrepreneurial side, and uh, you know, raise venture capital, and had a really great run from uh, raising capital in 2005, launching the business in 2006, right through the run up to the crisis, and then suddenly the brakes uh, were put on, and we went from uh, being really a darling in the industry with, with pretty rapid growth. To a business environment that just completely uh, re scrambled. And we had interest rates uh, going near to zero. We had uh, investors who typically traded around 40 times a year um, trade, uh, really just stopped trading. And uh, trading declined to about 13, 14 times a year. Um, And it's since climbed back. So we're, we're, uh, our typical client trades. Call it 18 to 20 times a year right now, uh, which is higher than most online brokers. Um, but it was through that cycle uh, where we had to retool the business. You know, something really, actually, really interesting happened then. Um, our primary source of revenue at the time was uh, commission from the trades, and so as that declined because our clients were were uh, trading less. Uh, What was interesting, though, is we had a huge influx of clients into the business. And it was principally people from uh, the full-service channel who no longer trusted their advisor because they had just lost 50% of their assets and moved over to the self-directed channel. And so the online channel had been a rapidly growing channel, but that was a massive push for both us uh, as well as the other online broker dealers and really I think you know it was a, a, a portend to where we are today where people continue to join um, the self-directed channel you know for a lot of reasons cost being one of them um, it's very it's a lot cheaper. Uh, I also the tools are much more powerful today the information that you can get uh, on our site as well as others is just, Really, really good. So we just make it easier for people to manage their money. Yeah, you hear a lot about the fintech uh, robo world
1: as you talk about it. So the, you have a set of active traders. It sounds like at the three ninety five and sort of regular traders four ninety five. But then yep. you have this more fee based business model and and sort of pushing around portfolio solutions versus it, whether it's individual stocks, or speculating on, on particular segments of the market. How is the adoption of the robo world? How what how have you found that uh, that business?
0: Yeah, I still think we're in, call it, the second inning of that game, but the adoption has been pretty good. It's a really great product that we're really excited about. For your listeners uh, who aren't familiar with it, it you know a, on, on the online brokerage platform, you can buy uh, and sell whatever securities you want, typically stocks, ETFs, mutual, mutual funds. But on the robo-advisor side, What we're doing is offering a product for people who want a diversified portfolio, but want somebody to manage it for them. And so you will come to allyinvest.com, you'll go to the Managed Portfolio, and you'll take a risk tolerance questionnaire. We'll assess your risk tolerance, your time horizon in the market, and we'll recommend a portfolio of ETFs. And we'll base that recommendation on, how we assess your risk tolerance, and how long you're going to be in the market. And we'll we'll, um, suggest a portfolio that's anywhere from 20% equity, 80% fixed income on the conservative side, all the way to 95% equity to 5% fixed income on the more aggressive side. So how
1: many questions are a part of that? Do people feel like they say I know I just want a diversified equity package and they say hey give me that or they have to really go through this risk questionnaire yeah. to really figure that out?
0: Well, you know, and it's 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 a process that we've really tested but it's it's only a question so you can get to okay. the answers pretty quickly. Yeah. Um, and so how so only the second inning
1: um, means you're still a long way ahead is that and do you, are you trying to convert the existing you know just commission people to that is that one of the big initiatives or is it really are you see a lot of stuff online going to your financial robo's and then you're going really after the marketing to them?
0: Yeah, for us it, it's a product. Some of our clients in the online brokerage are also opening up an account at the uh, digital advisor managed portfolio. It's a lot of new customers. Um, How do you about, brand it? What's the branding of the digital robo? Is it It's, it's Ally Invest Managed Portfolio. Ally Invest Managed Portfolio. Ally, Ally Invest Managed Portfolio. About 55% of our customers there are millennials. So that's a little bit different. Actually, on the online brokerage side, about 45% um, are millennials, and about 30% are uh, baby boomers. On the managed portfolio, it's, it's an even greater concentration of millennials, uh, and baby boomers are about 20%. If you, if you look at it though from an asset concentration, though, um, baby boomers have more assets. Sure. And so their portfolios are bigger. So they make up a larger percentage of our portfolio from an asset point of view.
1: And so, so you mentioned the trading frequency really um went down during the crisis and then sort of is only slowly rebounding. I mean, how do you is it just people paralyzed, they get out and they don't come back in? Is it they just are is it in a way that they're just sticking with their they're sort of riding their losers and they don't want to realize that loss? Um, you know,
0: it's a, it's a great question. I think the answer is around everybody's favorite topic today, which is volatility and there was just a higher normalized uh, degree of volatility prior to the crisis. Volatility averaged historically around the VIX at around 18. Uh, from 2010, I think, to 2016-17, you know, it was much lower, ranging from you know, somewhere around the 10 to 12 neighborhood. And you know we're back to that 18, I think it was 23, 24 today. And so there's just something for people to trade around. And when there was the Fed intervention, the markets were a lot calmer. So there isn't as much to trade around. And so I think that's a big driver. Um, I, and I do think fear is actually a driver. We've actually done a bunch of surveying of our clients, and we, you know, there's some interesting uh, learnings that have come out of that. So I mentioned millennials being one of uh, our larger customer sets. Millennials actually came into the investment world really during the crisis, uh, at their, their formative investing years. And they're still the generation that seems to be impacted most by the crisis. If you ask baby boomers uh, if they're over the crisis, they are. But if you ask millennials, they're not. And you look at some of the investment pa- uh, behaviors and products that they use, we see millennials still are pretty heavy in savings products, not as heavy in investing products, whereas baby boomers have a better balance. They all have the savings products and they also have an, a better balance of investing products, so they have both. So there's a lot of opportunity to bring new customers into the investment world.
1: And that's interesting. And so the, the baby boomers have seen the good equity barks in the past and say we could ride out. The volatility, they've heard Professor Siegel speak, stocks for long run, you want to grow your wealth over long periods of time, stocks versus bonds or stocks versus cash. Um, now you're actually getting some return on cash for the first time in, Correct. in a decade, so you're actually starting to get some, some cash returns. Correct. Um, uh, but what? So how do you reach out to the millennials to say, you don't just need cash, or are you fine with them in cash? <laughs>
0: Yeah, no. We think it's a process of education, and we think you need to have both. You need to have a rainy day fund uh, to provide for you uh, during that rainy day. But the lesson that we always learn when we look at historical data is you need to invest for the long term. You need to get in early. You need to have some longevity. And importantly, you need to have stamina, too, meaning you go through periods like we're going through right now, you need to stick it out for the long term. If you look at all the numbers and have an average eight percent return versus, you know, an average couple percent return on a money market, you know that retirement fund is going to build uh, much more rapidly with the eight um, uh, percent return in a diversified fixed income and equity portfolio.
1: Now, one of the knocks on robo's from people like going to the robo's. And this is this comes from like a lot of the financial advisor community or you know when you think about the roles the financial advisors play I mean I think a lot of times one of their big value adds is just counseling sort of psychologists right. to their clients and keeping them there through this tough times and the volatility and and there was a sense that people just sign online and they're going to have the worst behavioral biases they're going to pull money at the wrong time do you see evidence of that through your client base is it is it very trend following and I'm and, and, and interesting to contrast the behavior at the Robo versus your general?
0: Yeah we, and, uh, we can, and, and I do take a look at that data and, and, and what we've seen so far is we haven't seen people be too reactionary. I mean if you look at, if you look at the past couple of years actually, our customers have been very engaged. We've had, in fact, this year we've had some of our most active months with respect to new account openings, so new clients coming to the firm, as well as trading activity. And an interesting statistic, if you look at at the past couple of years, we had, in January of 2017, our average customer on the online brokerage side held about 25% of their portfolio in cash. That declined steadily as people put more money to work and bottomed in about September of this year at 17%. And over the past two months, it's ticked up to 18%. So, it's kind of flattened out to people maybe uh, starting to become more conservative. You know, if I look at the managed portfolio side, we have this core portfolio. Depending on your asset allocation, if I look at the three, different, three middle sectors of, of allocation, which would be a moderate portfolio, 40% equity, 60% fixed income, or a moderate growth, which would be flipped, 60% equity, 40% uh, fixed income. and uh, aggressive growth uh, or growth oriented, which would be 80% equity, 20% fixed income, they've, pre- they've stayed pretty uh, steady. and they're fairly equally distributed among those three. So we haven't seen too many shifts.'ve we've, we've seen so far people stick into their knitting.
1: Let me just reintroduce our guest here. I'm Jeremy Schwartz. We're talking to Tom Desmond, Chief Financial, officer at Ally Invest about his platform, which is a combination of security um, transaction commission generating uh, clients, as well as this robo model. Um, But maybe, Tom, talk a little bit more about Ally as the firm, the bank combined with this investment operation and and sort of when you joined them. Talk about the sort of full service offering from the
0: bank to the invest. How does that all fit together? Sure, sure. So really the idea with allied financial and allied which is the parent of allied bank buying the our predecessor firm uh, which was called Trade King was to complement the banking pro- the online banking products of allied bank so allied bank is very well known as a digital bank it you know generally pays uh, among the most competitive uh, rates for savings accounts as well as CDs so today for example if you deposit your savings at Ally bank Uh, Ally will pay you 2%, which is pretty remarkable in this world, where many of the big banks are paying uh, next to nothing or zero. How do they get away with zero when the Fed's been hiking to two? Uh, Deposit beta has been really low, deposit beta being the amount that the uh, bank shares with their customer. so It's just been low, because we're coming off this long string where short-term interest rates have been very close to zero. And so there really wasn't they're used, anything They're to used to
1: not worrying about it. They that didn't they, worry about it. They kept it in a checking account, and you didn't worry that you could get more in a savings account, or yeah. you kept it in a savings account, or, or now money markets are actually starting to return something.
0: Right. But you're right. It's kind of egregious when you think about it. Your money's earning zero. When you could move to Allen, you could be, you could be moving, uh, earning 2% on your capital. And so really the idea was that's such a tremendous value. We have customers here... Let's extend our product set into the investment services world uh, for that online consumer, and so uh, they did that through our online trading platform as well as our robo advisor.
1: So, what is the the profile of Ally Bank like? How and and through the history of Ally? People may not know the full history of how Ally Bank got started, and so the full corporate history there.
0: Yeah, it's a very, it's a pretty interesting corporate history too. So. Ally is formerly the GMAC, which is the auto loan uh, division of General Motors. And it was rebranded as Ally. And um, Ally started Ally Bank. And the idea was to use the the deposit funds to uh, fund and support the auto loan uh, business.
1: And how how is. how would you describe autos today? I mean, is that and that's people for the economy, people worry a little bit about? You know, where are we in the cycle that you know, as the Fed's been hiking rates, people worry there's gonna be delinquencies? I mean, I know that's not your prime focus at Ally Invest, but since you got the parent company involved in that, any any quick right. commentary on that?
0: Right. Yeah, not my area of expertise, but so far as a company, we haven't seen much in the way of delinquencies and uh, we haven't seen much with respect to a fall-off in demand for auto loans. Rates still are historically low, and the uh, auto loans have ticked up, but it hasn't had a material impact on the wallet for the consumer. And so we haven't felt that yet. And um, and so far, so far, so good.
1: When you think about like a one percent rise in in interest rates? like What do you think that translates to on a standard auto loan?
0: Yeah, good question. So, a 1% rise in an in, in auto loan would translate to about $20 or $30 in a monthly bill for a consumer. So, while that's certainly something, it hasn't been uh, mu- too much to uh, mitigate demand so far.
1: Yeah, that'll be an, an interesting thing to keep, c- keep tabs on. Absolutely. So, when you think about sort of the cross opportunities between the the, the car servicing, like how, how do you th- how do you think about that being a full package? Like how do you, how do you try to tap into that client base?
0: Well, what's interesting for us right now is the, the focus is really trying to provide a full suite of products for uh, the Ally Banking customer and the Ally Invest customer, where they'll have both a bank account as well as an investment account, and for those that choose to have their money managed. Uh, through our robo advisor Ally Invest, through the managed portfolio, um, you can have that full suite of products really at what we think is an unbeatable price. We'll pay you two percent on your money in a savings account. We'll charge you only four ninety five or three ninety five for the online brokerage, or thirty basis points for a managed portfolio. Really, that's the focus today. But we also have credit card. We also have home mortgage. All of these are direct to the consumer.
1: So it's like a real becoming a financial supermarket, really, everything you could think yes. you have there. Um, is there branches across the country? I don't see a lot in Philadelphia here.
0: No. One of the unique aspects of Ally Bank is no branches, which is how we keep our costs low, how we pay a high interest rate for our customers, and how we charge uh, low rates on the uh Online bank, on, online brokerage side.
1: So all digital, all uh, and and, and you got your, your you flew in from Charlotte, so you got a, a group in Charlotte. And where's the rest of the team?
0: I did. So we've got headquarters is in Detroit, Michigan, and we have still the uh, Ally uh, financial uh, auto business is still concentrated in Detroit, and in Charlotte, uh, the the Ally Bank is base, based as well as Ally Invest.
1: And how big is the overall company in terms of people and
0: about eight thousand people and Fortune one hundred company and uh, yeah it's a it's a large organization
1: and from and for your your investment side the the, uh, the invest side is that what what what, what about that for group? the
0: invest side we've got close to three hundred people and we've actually got offices in Charlotte as well as a small office in Fort Lauderdale, Florida.
1: I grew up down in Florida. Good place yeah. to be. I can't. I uh, can't blame that group there. What? What? When you think about I mean, you came from a small start, uh, you know, startup organization, coming from the Baird Venture Capital to the, you know, being an entrepreneur to now joining Ally. Talk about that transition. I mean, what was it like joining from a, a startup that you created to to the bigger big organization?
0: The transa- The transition has actually been very easy because I think culturally there was a really nice match between. Ally and Trade King, and what we like to say within Ally is is it's really the largest. It's a Fortune 100 startup, and it's a startup because it was the transition transition from G- GMAC to Ally and Ally Bank. And Ally Bank was a startup back in 2009, and today it's a bank with over a uh, 100 billion dollars of uh, deposits, and so. Uh, the, the, it was a surprisingly easy transition, um, and you know, it, it's, what, it, what it's done for us and what it's been, what, what's been fun for me is going from a purely entrepreneurial startup where we were always constrained to capital to now having a much larger platform to run our business and scale the business with a company that's got a very well-recognized brand and ally. And that's something we never had as part of Trade King. We used to say we were very good once somebody was shopping for an online brokerage, we were very good at getting being on the shopping list. So we'd be one of the five or six companies that people would look for if they were going to do research. But with Ally Bank and Ally Invest, we now have a brand name uh, to sell the uh, our services.
1: Well any lessons from this from the crisis? So you know you've got, you're building a team, it's, it's a startup. Um, I mean, what, any, any management corporate lessons you took personally from how that, struggling from as a startup through a crisis?
0: Yeah, so going from the crisis, we went from, I had mentioned earlier, we went from pretty rapid growth from 2006 uh, through the end of 2008 into 2009. And then we went into a transition where we just exercised a whole different set of management muscles, from you know, what was hyper-growth into trying to manage a business and figure out a new business model. And really, w- you know, the lesson to me is it always boils down to people. And you have to build a good team. You have to keep the team fresh. Um, you've got to be willing to give people responsibility. Um, and it, and it, it's really something that, that the same type of philosophy that Ally has. It's, it's customer first, uh, but it's also uh, realizes that you're only as good as your people. So it's, it's also employee first.
1: How do you keep that team together when, uh, when the times are tough?
0: Well, you keep that team together by, by working hard and keeping your, your eye on the prize and treating people right you know, treating people well. Very good. Um, it's sort of interesting.
1: You have a real insight across clients and sentiment and in investor psychology, and and we're sort of talking a little bit about just the demographic makeup of your client base, since so we're millennials versus baby boomers. But maybe w- when you think about what are people coming to Ally to solve for, um, talk a little bit about their different goals and 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 what, what you think what you think people are trying to achieve.
0: Yeah. So the generations have different reasons to invest. And some of it may, may seem obvious, but then it does really translate into also how they invest. So, baby boomers, for example, uh, are generally will, will hold more cash and more fixed income. And while retirement is the number one reason to invest across all generations, for baby boomers, they also are investing for more near term needs as well, such as healthcare uh, or vacations whereas millennials will focus more on longer-term items, such as uh, saving for a home, saving for a car, saving for education for their children. Um, One thing that I will say, though, that is common across all generations is the anxiety to invest. Hmm. So we've done some surveys, and about two-thirds of Americans are scared of the investment process and of the markets. And 50% are scared because they feel like they may make a mistake. 25% are scared because they feel like they don't have enough money. Uh, 30% of those don't trust uh, their advisor. And really, in the end, I think the one lesson that we always come back to, which I mentioned earlier, is you need to have longevity. And you need to have stamina, because if you invest for a longer period, a long enough period of time, you're going to make up for some of the volatility like we're seeing today, and you're going to, you know, generate superior returns over time.
1: So, how can you help them manage that behavior? So, like the sort of studies on time in the market, you know, and 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 not encouraging them to overtrade and stay invested like what do you have a behavioral finance initiative and education what what's that program look like
0: yeah it's a, it's a great question and it's something we talk about in the office every day you know so today we have an education center uh, where we have material that talks about this we have webinars that we do with our investors that we talk about what's going on in the market but also the importance of discipline in the market and we have emails that go out. Uh, that discuss all of that. But I think that is one of the um, most difficult behaviors to manage, because it does get scary when you see drops like this week. But you have to have that longer-term vision and fortitude, because you don't want to pull your money out and sell low. You want to sell high. even when, But when, when it gets low, you know, that's when the heat is turned up, and you just want to get out of that kitchen.
1: Do you do you guys have a big content team like how many people producing time you know content that is, is focused on this area for this behavioral management and, and
0: yeah so an we education? have we have an education team uh, I'm not even sure how many people are on the education team uh, but a good number that are producing content writing this uh, this type of uh, you know about these type of topics yeah yeah
1: I mean that it, it seems like a critical area to keep keep them focused. Um, when you when you think about that, you made a comment about trusting their advisor, sort of lack of trust. and That's partly what's getting either the robo advisor, the sort of do-it-yourself type, um, and the other service. When you think about the people talking about the the combination of robo and advisors, like right. oh, Do do you
0: think you need a human touch within just the online? Yeah. So for our target market, really, is the customer. That has assets up to about a million dollars, so investable assets up to about a million dollars. Because the products that we provide are the same products that those customers are going to get at a larger full service warehouse. You can buy your own, make develop your own portfolio by buying and selling stocks, ETFs, mutual funds, fixed incomes, or you can. Uh, invest in our Managed Portfolio, and that Managed Portfolio product is really the same type of product you would get at a full-service, registered investment advisor office. Um, What we don't have is the person that's sitting there, but the difference is you're doing it yourself, you're paying 30 basis points as opposed to paying a full percentage point to an advisor. And so it's that savings of 70 basis points or almost three-quarters of a percentage point year over year that's gonna benefit you. So there is that you have to have self-discipline when you're in the market and you've gotta keep a long-term perspective.
1: So have you thought about having that sort of person that they could call in the office? As, you know, I, I, there are some people who are doing these robo absolutely, solutions.
0: yeah, and they call it hybrid advisors. Yeah. Where uh-huh. and yes, that 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 is something that's absolutely under consideration for us. Where it's not just simply the electronic interface with the internet, but there is a person standing by who oversees your account and will be there to answer questions. So yeah, that absolutely is something that is uh, on our roadmap.
1: Very good. Um, Across the other insights, across the demographics things, any other insights between differences, baby boomers and millennials about how they're investing or the psychology
0: amongst that that group? You know, a lot of them they they'd invest. There there are some interesting factoids. It, today, you can't get away from investing in the fang stocks, so Facebook, Amazon, Apple, Netflix, Netflix, and Google, and. If we look over the past four quarters, Amazon's the most highly traded stock that we have on our platform. And it's also the most actively traded stock across generations. Um, and Fangs are the FANG stocks are one of the more popular stocks across each of those generations regardless, though I will say millennials trade them about um, you know, somewhere 25, 30% more than baby boomers, but overall they make up not quite 10% of the trading activity uh, of our of our platform. I think it's closer to 8%. You'll also see differences in industry uh, if you look at how millennials invest versus how baby boomers invest. So baby boomers will be more heavily concentrated in some of the more traditional industry sectors, such as financial services, manufacturing. Retail, transportation, whereas millennials, on the other hand, will be a little heavier in technology um, or the environment, energy related stocks, uh, biotech, healthcare, uh, things that they know. And is there
1: trends in, um, you know, I'm interested in the ETF industry clearly. Yes. Um, is, how, how would you say the adoption of ETFs have been on the platform and, and sort of generally speaking?
0: Yeah, the adoption of ETFs has been pretty good. And one of the things Jeremy probably won't tell you, but I can tell you, is we did launch in August a commission-free ETF platform, which means you can come and we won't charge you if you invest in one of the ETFs that's on this particular uh, platform that we will not charge you a commission for that. And we've got somewhere north of 80 Wisdom Tree ETFs that are part of that, and the adoption has been good, and it's growing. And you know, it's a simple reason because ETF can provide some nice diversification for a low price, and it's uh, uh, you know similar to a mutual fund but cheaper, and with better liquidity. That's a good
1: uh, good way of describing it. It is basket. It's a wrapper, um, and uh, you just got to create good investment strategy within them. Um, on your robo, is it combination of ETFs and
0: funds, or is it... Uh... Yeah, so really good question. So our managed portfolio is strictly ETFs. So each portfolio is made up of nine ETFs, and the purpose is to create broad diversification across asset class, broad diversica- diversification across geography, uh, as well as uh, type of stock, so large cap uh, versus small cap, for example, and so there's nine ETFs made up of both fixed income, uh, equity, uh, and inter- international based ETFs.
1: Uh, we're talking with um, Tom Desmond, who's the CFO at Ally Invest, about the the platform that they have there, and. You know, it's interesting on in this robo managed portfolio world. There's definitely a lot of competition. We're not going right. to call anyone out by name. So, but there's a lot of different mindsets on how people build these managed portfolios. Some try to seem to get criticized as having big cash balances. Some people use proprietary products. What is your general framework on yeah, our, like that? Yeah,
0: so our philosophy is we don't use proprietary products. Our products have been engineered to keep the costs as low as possible as well as keep the correlation to the index that we're trying to uh, mimic uh, as close as possible as well. So our, our I obviously stand behind the construction of our uh, core portfolio, which is just a tremendous product. And there's others out there who, who will try and um, extract uh, uh, value through, I guess, higher cash percentages. So in ours, for example, we generally keep cash at 2%. We think that people who come to a managed portfolio want their capital invested. So it's, to us, it's all about the asset allocation. It's not about having this buffer in cash. If somebody wanted to hold cash, they could hold it in their bank account. We do have some competitors that will keep anywhere from 5% to 25% in cash, and they'll charge you a lower fee. We charge 30 basis points. They'll charge lower than that. But on the, on the other hand, they're making money on the back end from holding that cash and loaning that cash out uh, on the back end.
1: Yeah, and the proprietary products, are some definitely some interesting packages there. Um, but yeah, clearly
0: not... some of our larger competitors, like Fidelity and Schwab, have their own ETFs, and so yeah. they're investing in their own ETFs, whereas we're just completely independent. We're trying to invest in the best ETF for our clients. Very good. Um,
1: we And we talked a little bit about the sort of coming from, sort of trade kings to be this startup, uh, any other, Lessons um, from from your background um, before before trade kings at, at sort of venture capital side. Um, it was sort of interesting times coming from the crisis. Any personal experiences, stories you thought could be useful to share with our, our listeners?
0: Yeah, no, I should have come in. I should have come in with some stories uh, on top of mind. I I think really, you know, it's it's the story of my investment career, which is to have perseverance. And you know, one of my one of my all time favorite stories is. Um, you know, i had had dinner when I was an investment banker with, uh, with a good friend of my family, and, and, and he was a uh, uh, recruiter, an executive consultant. And, and the night before, he had had dinner with Jack Welch and his son, and he told me this story at dinner, which has always stuck with me, and which is simply as, as they were ending dinner, he looked over at, at Jack Welch and said, you know, Jack, could you, if you were going to give one piece of advice to my son... What would, you, what would that piece of advice be? And Jack looked at him and said, that's easy, son, you gotta be ready to work your tail off. And you know, for me, it's, it's just been a story of, of you know, being very persistent and working very hard. And I think you apply those same lessons to the investment world where you gotta get in early and you know we've done a bunch of research around uh, people's uh, perceptions uh, of, of the market, and there is a big fear for people being you know starting off and and starting off uh, their their investment career. But you got to get in, you got to leap in. And you got to stay in, and you'll learn, and over time that pays dividends. And if you don't know what you're doing, you can go in and you can, you know, you can buy a Wisdom Tree ETF. You can buy an S and P 500 index fund. It's very simple. Just go in, um, just get in the market, get invested, hold it for the long term. Don't think about market timing.
1: Um, and it's sort of interesting on, in terms of talking about the people who want to get into the financial industry. Um, it's interesting location in Charlotte. What's the sort of team like in terms of the recruiting environment for investment talent? The people types of people you're looking for down there?
0: Yeah, Charlotte actually is a fabulous place for us to have uh, our firm based. It is the second largest concentration of financial professionals outside of New York in the country. So we'll buy back and forth with Chicago, and I think San Francisco is up there as well. But for us, it's tremendous because it's got a fairly young demographic. There are a number of universities which within a two to three hour drive around Charlotte. So, it's got a very young demographic with young professionals uh, who are really smart. And it's got a huge concentration of financial professionals and licensed financial pro- professionals. So, in our business, you've got to earn licenses uh, to be in the business. And uh, and there's just a, a very good culture for that where we are. It's also a very good cost of living. It's in the Mid Atlantic, so the the uh, weather is very. The climate is moderate. Uh, so overall, it's been a really good place for us.
1: And how do you see? You know, if you think about the different initiatives, um, certainly this rope the the digital kind of wealth is a big big growth area. How, what any other big initiatives you want to talk about? Things you think you. The firms investing around the next few years, the types of people, or just the types of initiatives you're going after.
0: Yeah, so for us, the the really the the siren is we we continue to build our online brokerage, but we're also investing a lot of money in our robo advisor and in, in Ally Invest um, managed portfolios, and we do see a point down the road within the next couple of years where we will have what's typically referred to as a hybrid offering, where it's an online. Uh, offering, but there are people that are assigned to your account that you can call and that will help you with your account. And so it's just building out that platform. But really, for us, the focus is also on, you know, I think what we'd call the consumer consumerization of the product, where we're really focused on a customer-centric business model. And I think the best way I would have to describe it is, we want to have a solution that's as easy to use as it is to dial up an Uber and pay for your Uber or as convenient yet as impactful as a Peloton workout. And so it's really trying to customize the digital experience for the consumer to fit their lifestyle. And so a lot of that I think is gonna revolve around personalization with data and how you take in the data of what you know with a customer Um, and how you serve that data up and use that data to bring in relevant information for them. So one of the things you had asked earlier about how do you manage through crises, this is one way you do that, is you know what the proclivities are of a client and bring them relevant information. We know what their stock holdings are. We know what their portfolios are. We know how old they are. uh, We generally know about their uh, financial situation, and so we can use this data to serve up relevant content for them to help them with their financial journey. I mean, it's interesting. So the I assume
1: you're just talking about the consumerization, and you brought up a lot of the, the online, and I haven't checked your app, your app capability. I assume you have it all on mobile? Or we, do,
0: it... we do. We do. Ha- we have an Android. We have an Apple app. It's also ally.com. Uh, you can just pull it up on the web as well, right? is, on, on your mobile phone. Is, are you getting to more than 50% on mobile? No, we're around 30%. So it's 30% and growing. Yeah. yeah, I see sort of the
1: content I was looking at. Just even people who read our website and our blog. And th- th- you can't buy anything from us directly. You have to buy on a brokerage platform That's like, right. like at Ally. But right. pe- when people who are consuming our content, it's, over, it's like 60% on, on mobile devices, which is interesting. And it's, uh, so it, it, it'll be interesting to see how your app
0: Well, For for our Managed Portfolio product, where 55% of our customers today are Millennials, that really does lend itself to a more mobile experience, and that usage, I think, naturally will always be very high. I also think for the casual trader, it's very easy to trade on your mobile phone. For people who become much more of an active trader, uh, generally, like to see bigger screens, mm. so it's really in that it's like that six monitor setup. Six you can monitor see setup. What you're doing,
1: day trading the markets. I mean, is that what what part of the commissions is the real active?
0: Um, not too big. Yeah. We don't really have many day traders, but yeah. we do have quite a bit of of active traders. Who yeah. you know, our price point is very good for active traders. Our price point at 395 is very attractive, and so that's a very good price. For uh, online traders. So we, we do have that, but our core audience is, you know, it's a much more bro- a broader audience. You know, as I said before, I think our average client trades around 18 to 20 times a year. Interesting.
1: Um the the technology side is, is sort of interesting. I think one of the critiques for a lot of the online platforms and it and this goes back to like your human advisor versus your robo advisor and the managed portfolios, people talk about customers' acquisition costs being very, very hard, you know, and that these a lot of these online tech Groups have raised a ton of venture capital money. You came from a venture capital background. I did. Any commentary on the amount of capital chasing or going after this space? Is is the customer acquisition cost going to be so high for them that they hundreds of
0: millions of dollars of valuations on some of these? Well, given that you're the head of research for Wisdom Tree, I'm not surprised that you just jumped to really. I think it's the core question: if you're, you know, this is the former VC and me coming out. If you're going to invest really in any consumer online business the question is what's your cost to acquisition and what's the lifetime value of that customer yeah. and as long as your cost to acquisition is is lower by a certain margin than the lifetime value it may make economic sense to invest in that company and and for us you know i it, it it's a pretty it's a more mature market on the online brokerage side so we understand the more online marketing um metrics and economics of that piece of the business. On the managed portfolio, it's still a very young, immature market, and so it is more expensive uh, to find those client clients. For us though, and I think that's going to be one of the challenges for the start the Fintech startups in this space because yes, they are raising a lot of money, but it's very hard to acquire those customers. And so for Ally, The big advantage is we have a breadth of products. We're a direct-to-consumer online bank. We're an online broker. We have our managed portfolio as a digital wealth manager as well. So we're not just in one piece of this market, one segment of this market. But our client, one client, can have multiple accounts across different businesses. So that allows us to keep costs low. But it also allows us to have a bigger uh, share of wallet, too. You, you
1: want to take any bragging rights on what you think, like on a multiple basis, the online, these sort of standalone robos, their their customer acquisition costs might be compared to yours? Any guesstimates? Is it they're four times more expensive, three times? Oh, yeah.
0: I would say they're, they're a few times more expensive. I We've got a built-in customer base that yeah. we're fortunate enough that we can sell our um, online advisor, our, our, our digital uh, wealth management products, too, whereas some of the fintech startups just have to go de novo to market and acquire those, those clients. We're competing for those clients as well, but we also have an installed customer base, both at the online brokerage and at the bank, that we can market those products and package those products for as well. I, I, I think that is their, is their biggest challenge, and they're going to have to continue to raise more money to stay in the business. It'll be interesting, like how you even go after the car. You know,
1: the, the big portfolio of people with car loans, and if that translates at all to, you know, they. Do you think they think of Ally in any way as behind the scenes there? Or You, you think there's
0: a way to reach out to these GM car people and sure, auto loans. Sure, we're always working on that. So we're we're the largest independent uh, auto loan uh, lender. And uh, GM is just one of the automakers that uh, we work with, but we generally work through mm. the uh, dealerships, and so it's not uh, a consumer-facing business, but may become a consumer-facing business. You know, but if you do think about the main activities or the the, the major events in a person's life, we, we we do have all of those bases covered with with respect to you know banking and investing activities and loan activities. So. You know, we we, we are providing uh, car loans. We are providing mortgage loans, and, and and we have a credit card. So that's that's really the idea of, of, of the bank. There's got to be some
1: cross synergies there. You could see how you just know the consumer data and know how you can absolutely figure it out. I mean, that is data is like the hardest thing for any of these companies of who they can market, who they can target. You certainly know you're servicing people's loans, and then yeah. it's who's who's who's
0: paying off their loans. What other needs might they have? Yeah. Um, yeah, and I'd mentioned before customization, sort of the consumerization of the investment investment experience, and and it, one of the trends there is customization, but that's really driven by data, and it's it's driven by data, knowing consumer trends, knowing your customer, and using that data to serve up the most uh, convenient, low cost product that you can for them.
1: Um so you alluded to a little bit the mortgages and obviously started with with auto loans and then went into the other financial services, but any um, and during the crisis, there's all these interest-only mortgages. Um, any commentary just on the housing type of, of loan market? I mean, I know that's not your exact focus, but I'm curious on, on Yeah, that. I don't have
0: much comment on, on the housing market. You know, the housing market does focus um, out towards the 10-year uh, point of the yield curve. And refis have, have dried up. Um, but, you know, from a historical context, rates are still very low. And so it's a business that Ally still likes and just launched a direct-to-consumer mortgage product. So if you're in the market for a mortgage, go to Ally.com, and you mm. can look at Ally's mortgage rates, which I think will be as competitive uh, or better than uh, any, anyone else out there. So, so check that out. Um, but we like the market. We like it for, for the long term. Now, if people
1: have a account with Ally do you guys with this invest side would you give them discounts on the mortgages even further
0: yeah so we we haven't done that today what we will do is we will look at cl- closing costs okay but you ask one of the things that we're looking at over the next couple of years it is packaging that relationship pricing so somebody who is a customer across the various product lines giving them a discount on the various products and i'll, I'll tell you as just a consumer myself you know if you could make it one of
1: the most processes that are painful is getting a mortgage right so you know if you put your assets on the thing just click a button to proof right Right. That's what consumers want. Right. And if you have all their money and you can track their histories and you know the customer, right? This is free advice. Yeah, and you have
0: that in a you have that in a dashboard as a consumer where you you only need to go to one place and have that in a dashboard. I mean, I really think those are the three trends that we see. It's the customization, it's mobile, but it's also having this, you know, I don't want to say one stop shop, but having this broad relationship where the company's benefiting from your business, but it's passing back some of those benefits to you as a consumer. That right there is the heart of of Ally and what the yeah. vision is of Ally. No, there's no question. There's there's
1: gains to concentrate like as a consumer. That if you make it easy, you get the best client experience. You can see why the having the full package from everything, um, that easy button is what people want. Yeah,
0: if it's convenient and it's easy to use and it's the best value. Becomes a no-brainer. It's sort of that's like a, that's that's the goal. I mean, that's
1: what right, the the Amazons of the world have done that for us, right? We're used to as a consumer, I need to buy some toothpaste.
0: Oh, click, it's delivered. That's the analog, right? right? Yeah. And, at, at the best price, you you know, they're to the point that you know you're gonna get f-
1: you're gonna get the best value. Even if it's a fair price, but you know, it's just you click a button and it's easy. Right, because right? Amazon probably isn't the, the best price on everything, but it's just so convenient. You're locked in. And, you know, as long as it's it's fair. Yep. Well, we've been talking for a while with, with Tom Desmond, the CFO of Ally Invest. Really interesting um, background, tell, telling us your personal story, telling us the, about Ally. Thank you for taking the time, coming to Wharton, spending time with us today, at Tom.
0: Jeremy, thank you for having me. It's been fun for
1: a Kellogg grad to come and check Wharton out. Yeah, we got some good things here at Penn. Um, investing involves risk, including possible loss of principal. With regard to any Wisdom Tree funds discussed, before investing, carefully consider a fund investment objectives, risk, charges, and expenses contained in the prospectus available at wisdomtree.com. Read it carefully. Distributor Foreside Fund Services. You've been listening to Behind the Markets on SiriusXM 132. You can listen to us on our Behind the Markets podcast. Thanks to our producer, Patty Hall, our sound engineer, Daniel Bruno, for helping us do this today. Have a great week, everybody.